If you've got your Bible this morning, would you turn with me to Hebrews 2? We're going to look at the first four verses. The title of my message today is Hold On, Hold On. Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For it is the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders and various miracles, the gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. When I was about 10 years old, I went to the dentist and he said that I had a tooth that needed to be medically extracted. He said, uh, Ron, I think it would be good if we used gas. And I said, well, okay. Uh, I didn't know what that meant, but uh, that's what he said, so I went along. And uh, he got everything ready. We set the date. We got... Uh, Got it all going. I was a little bit frightened as I thought about the gas. Now, what does, that, what does that mean? Well, the dentist had always been nice to me. I trusted him. But I was a little frightened uh, as I came into that day. I got in the seat, and uh, he put the chair back. Uh, everything went smoothly for a while. The dentist put me uh, right where he wanted me, and then he got out a mask. That was he, he was getting ready to put on my face. Just as he was about to put the mask on, two fairly large women and a big man came into the room. I had never seen them before in my life, and I wondered what they were doing in there. Well, I was about to ask who they were when the dentist put the mask on my face. I had never had gas before, and I didn't think the mixture was quite right. And I started to take the mask off to tell him that. Then I found out what those three people were for. Uh, they uh, grabbed me and held me down. And, you know, I'd been to see some movies, and I thought, well, this was an evil plot to kill me. I kicked and thrashed about a little bit, but uh, those were three big people. I was 10 years old, so I didn't have much of a chance. They held me down firmly. I tried to fight them off, but I couldn't. I couldn't hold on. I tried, but I couldn't do it. Finally, of course, I passed out. It's a frightening feeling to all of a sudden lose control of your life to find yourself drifting. I think there's a danger and a degree of terror in that when it comes to your life. Drifting from physical reality is not pleasant when you're trying to remain awake. If you've not had that experience, I hope you never do. I don't think they do it that way anymore. I believe there's another experience that is just as frightening, perhaps even more so, and that experience for the Christian is to drift from spiritual reality, to not be able to hold on to the reality of a living God 
in our life, but to be separated from the validity of our Christian experience and to feel the loss of the presence of Christ in our daily walk. I've talked with a lot of folks over the years about their spiritual life, and some would say, well, Ron, you know, I was real close to the Lord when I was in high school, and then I went off to college, and I kind of drifted away. I couldn't hold on. And then I got married after college, and we had some kids, and I thought, well, I need to rear these kids uh, in the Lord, and so we came back uh, to church, and I got real active, and it was real good, and then some things started happening at my job that weren't good, and I kind of started falling away a little bit, and that wasn't good, and I knew it. I knew it. Well, he said, I've, it's been like that all my life. It's kind of been, you know, I've been close to the Lord, and then I fall back from the Lord. Some would say that this is fairly common in the lives of a lot of Christian people. They would say that they are drifting away from spiritual reality, and nothing that they do seems to stem the tide. It's like passing out from gas in the dentist chair while people are holding you there, and there's absolutely nothing that you can do about it. Some drift from every week Christianity to every other week Christianity, to one day a month Christianity. Some drift from tithing to tipping. Some drift from having a daily a strong time of Bible study in their life to gradually just putting a Bible in the living room and letting that speak for your faith. Our text in Hebrews speaks to this very issue today. The King James Version calls it slipping away. The writer of Hebrews is saying that sometimes we may become like a ship that has lost its anchor and we are gradually slipping uh, toward destruction. We're moving toward the rocks that are close to the seashore. Some that some that the author speaks to are those that are fresh out of paganism. In that day, there were a whole lot of pagan cults and pagan groups, and they worshiped this God and that God and the other God and all sorts of wild things. And, and that's what they had all been in up until the time that Christianity uh, came into their area. Many of them trusted Christ, but maybe their family didn't come with them. Or maybe their neighborhood didn't come with them. Maybe their friends didn't come with them. And so there was kind of a tug to go back and to get reinvolved in the paganism that they once knew. They tried to hold on, but some couldn't. Some had just come out of Judaism and then began to drift back into those rituals and into the empty legalistic promises of the Pharisees. Some had been gloriously called into the priesthood of the believer, serving Jesus. But now they found themselves slipping back to a visible priesthood. They were finding a visible sacrifice more plausible than an omnipresent but invisible Savior. The author of Hebrews is saying, hold on. For crying out loud, hold on. 
That's what he's saying. Lest you drift away from the crucially important spiritual realities that you have had in your life. Life is not a placid pool where the waters are just calm and still all the time. That's not what it is. Life is like a stream with many currents and many torrents that sweep us along. Sometimes the ocean appears to be calm and peaceful, but I am told at certain depths, at certain times, there are forces called the Gulf Stream that uh, just sort of move along at such an unbelievable speed that if you happen to be caught in the Gulf Stream, you are just swept away. And there's not anything that you can do about it. The sky above so many times looks so placid and calm. The, The clouds are floating by and it's so pretty and the sun is over there and just everything is beautiful about it. But we've heard that at certain heights there's a thing called the jet stream where there is air moving at over 200 miles an hour. And if you get caught in that jet stream, then you uh, just have to be swept away against almost anything that you can do to prevent it. Life is full of gulf streams and jet streams. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, watch out, lest you get into a stream that will sweep you away to destruction. It seems like when we are drifting spiritually, we're always drifting away from God. It doesn't seem like we're ever drifting toward God. I believe that in our spiritual lives, we must constantly be alert for some of the influences of our world that would seek to defeat us in our Christian growth, that would take from us our spiritual mooring. Today, not only in America, but I I suppose around the world, we are still in this me generation where we say, how is this going to affect me? What is this activity going to mean to me? If I do this with my children, how is that going to benefit me? If I don't serve on this group or that group or this community thing or that community thing, is that going to help me or hurt me? There is so much selfishness in this me generation. We think to ourselves, am I going to spend money on that? Uh, You know, that helps a lot of other people, but it doesn't help me. You know, am I going to give to this? It doesn't help me. Am I going to do that? Am I going to give some toys to the kids? Well, I don't even know those kids. You know, I I need to do something for me. And that's the word that's being spread in our world today. Years ago, I attended an evangelistic clinic. One of the speakers at the clinic was Grady Wilson. I'm sure that many of you have heard of him. He had worked long and hard with the Billy Graham evangelistic team. And he was just an outstanding guy, a great speaker himself. And he had been with Billy Graham for years and years and years. Grady Wilson told us at this clinic 
many of the experiences that the Graham team had experienced. He said that uh, there had been revivals that they had led where literally thousands of people had come forward to trust in Christ as their Lord and Savior. They would tell about small churches where they would go uh, separately. The individuals of the team would go separately. And there would be things that would happen that were just unbelievable where half of the church would come forward to make a description of uh, spiritual growth in their life, would trust in Christ, would join the church, would do whatever it was. Well, he also told us uh, uh, stories that were humorous. And, of course, you can imagine in that kind of work for that long, there would be a lot of uh, funny stories. He told us how at the great London crusade that they had many years ago, uh, Billy had invited his mother, uh, the elder Mrs. Graham, to come over and to be involved in the services. And Billy said that he would take her around on a tour of London. Well, the older Mrs. Graham was getting very hard of hearing. Uh, she couldn't hardly hear anything. You had to get right in her ear and speak pretty loudly before she could know uh, what you were saying. Well, a lot of people would speak to her, and she would just nod and, and smile. When they got off the plane in London, there was a man that was the coordinator of the Graham Crusade. He was a resident of London, and he came up to her, and he said, Mrs. Graham, I am so glad that you are here. He didn't know that she was real hard of hearing. And uh, she smiled and nodded. And then he went on uh, to say some other things. He said, we're so glad that your son, Billy, is here. Uh, we really need him here, probably as much as anywhere in the world, for it seems to me like all of London is just going to hell. Mrs. Graham looked at him and smiled and nodded her head, and she said, I think that's just wonderful. <laughs> Sometimes it does seem that our society is falling apart, and it's going to you know where. You know, we all know that. There are some things going on today. I can't believe these politicians cuss at these big meetings. I just can't believe they do that. I mean, have they been uh, ranked pagans all their life? I mean, it's just terrible. They just get up and say all kinds of things. Well, we must swim against the stream of our culture. Uh, when we call out, we need to have some folks that would respond. We need to, to group together. That's one of the strengths of the local church is that you have brothers and sisters in the Lord that you can grow with and develop with. You get to know them. They get to know you. And it really becomes a strong bond. And every week you look forward to the fellowship with those that you have grown to love. Well, there are those things, the social customs of our day, that are moving against us, the influence of the world that is moving against us, the forces within our own being that upon occasion are moving against us, that would separate us from God, who is the source of our power, our insight, and our love. There are, however, 
some wonderful, positive, godly anchors that will keep us from drifting, that would help us to hold on. In verse 3 of our text today, Hebrews 2, verse 3, we find that this salvation we know was announced and introduced by Jesus himself. The origin of our faith was bound to a person, the Lord of life, Jesus Christ himself. He was the Messiah that they had yearned for, that they had called for, that they had prayed about all these years. And here he is finally there. Christianity did not begin in the mind of men. It began through the love of God, who from the founding of the world, intended that the incarnation would take place, that the sinless life in Christ would take place, that the sacrificial death of Christ would transpire, that the burial would come, and the glorious resurrection would take place as well. These are the things that we need to know, that we need to count upon as we have that saving relationship with our living Savior. We are not attached to a creed, but to a person, Jesus, who is a living and resurrected Lord in this present world today. There is another anchor, the second anchor, in verse 3. It also says that what happened was confirmed for us by those that heard it. The life and teachings of Jesus did not happen in a vacuum. They did not happen where nobody knew what was going on. It happened for all to see. When you read the New Testament about all the miracles and all the journeys that Jesus went on, all the places in Israel where he spoke, and then those places outside of Israel where he spoke, thousands upon thousands of people saw him work these wonderful miracles. And they were awed and they believed. It happened for all to see and to understand and to know that this was the promised Messiah that was carrying on this activity. It was viewed by huge crowds. Thousands saw him as he died on Calvary's cross. Thousands saw him in his resurrected form. Not one or two derelicts, but over five thousand at one time and of course there were many resurrection experiences and each time he experienced many saw him and they believed without any shadow of doubt the writers of Hebrews say that this is a world of evidence a very wonderful anchor that all of us can have in our spiritual life the third anchor the writer says is in verse four The signs and wonders and miracles. The resurrection, of course, was a wonderful, wonderful miracle. If it weren't for that miracle, we wouldn't be here this morning. If he hadn't come forth from the grave, there wouldn't be anything such as a Christian church. But he did. He came from the grave. And this was a promise that had been made in the Old Testament. That he was going to come, he was going to be born at a certain place, he was going to do certain things, he was going to die on a cross. These were the wonderful signs that were fulfilled. These are the wonders that actually took place in the life 
of our Savior. Well, we've all seen lives that God has turned around, that God has so miraculously reached out to catch. Frank Blazak gave a, a good talk today about the Gideons. I had a dear uh, friend uh, that was the president of a corporation in Dallas. Uh, I didn't know him when all this was going on. I knew him much later. But he was a very ungodly man early in his life. One time he was on a trip somewhere. He got drunk in his hotel room. And he turned on the television. He didn't like what was on. And he started looking around in the room if there was anything that he could do. He found a Gideon Bible. And he opened that up and started reading it. And he said, you know, I didn't know there was anything like this anywhere, any promise like this anywhere. And as he read the scripture, he wanted to know more. And the next Sunday, he went to church, a church he didn't know anything about, a church that uh, he didn't know uh, what they stood for, what they believed or anything. But he went to a church and he said, could you explain to me this passage that I read in this Gideon Bible. And somebody sat down with him and explained it to him and led him to a saving knowledge of Christ. Well, there are folks in your family that uh, have got caught up in some kind of a stream that is taking them away from the godly mooring that they once had or the faith that they once demonstrated. People that you knew uh, people that were around you, people that were in high school with you or college with you or worked with you. The wonderful miracle is that these signs and wonders and miracles that Jesus proclaimed are there for us and we can claim them and we can hold to them and it will keep us close to our Savior. Finally, the last anchor is our own personal experience. We have these personal religious experiences today because of the Spirit of God working inside of our lives, convincing us of the sin of our life, the fact that we need to turn unto Jesus and believe in Him and surrender our life to Him. I hope none of you have substituted a ritual or a cold, aesthetic, religious understanding for a living, personal relationship with Christ. You can have a nominal church membership and drift far away from the Lord. You can have an uncle or a grandfather or a mom or a dad that was a big wheel in some church way back when. And you always thought, well, you know, my family's in, so I'm in. Folks, it doesn't work that way. We have to come individually before the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to say, would you forgive me of my sins? And then we have to place our lives in his hands. We do that individually. And as we do it, we are received into the fellowship and the family of God forever and ever and ever. But if you have a living, personal relationship to the Lord, you will never drift away. You will be able to hold on. I hope if there are any in the house that are morning that are drifting, I hope that could stop in your life. As you would hold on to these solid religious anchors, these scriptural anchors, these spirit of God anchors that can hold us firm to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We're going to have an invitation if you're in the house and you would like to trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior. We would ask you just to slip out and slip forward in a moment and take a stand for Jesus. You know, if we take, if we take a stand for him, he will take a stand for us. If we don't take a stand for him, he won't take a stand for us. I hope and pray that we will be willing to come and take a stand for the risen Savior. I'll be standing right down here at the front to wait on you to come. Let's stand together as we stand.